Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. The Pitchfork Review. I'm Jeremy Larson, the Review's Director. On this week's episode, we pull back the curtain and go behind the scenes on the kinds of testimonies, arguments, gut checks, and full-on fights that take place in the lead-up to our annual Best Songs of the Year list. We're going to get into which songs deserve to be on the list from albums that don't just have one hit but are filled with hits like 100 Gex, Ice Spice, Zach Bryan, Billy Woods, you name it, we're going to talk about it. Joining me in the Octagon today is my favorite sparring partner, even though we agree about everything. It's Editor-in-Chief Pooja Patel. We don't agree about everything. Pooja, how are you doing today? How's it going? (laughs) Good. Uh, (laughs) And they call him the clock cleaner. He's got a haymaker that'll make you take back things they never stole. It's Features Editor Ryan Domble. Hey. Ryan, how are you? I'm good. I'm ready (laughs) to rumble. So before we get going and talk about some of these songs, I thought we should set the table to just sort of talk about like what goes into the actual process of making our year-end list, which we've done for many, many years now. So Pooja, like, how does this whole thing start? So we basically start this late September, early October. And honestly, bless everyone at Pitchfork. Shout out our fellows. Shout out our associate editor. Shout out our executive assistant. Because they spend so much time literally pulling from the reviews archives and from Fork Tracks, which is our internal kind of like tracks, uploads and message board. Everything of note that has happened year to date, which ends up being thousands of albums and songs collectively. Then we send out what we call the long list ballot to the entire staff. And I would say, what, 40 contributors? Yeah, 40 or 50, something 40 like that. 40 or 50 contributors. They do a round of voting internally. Meanwhile, on the inside of Pitchfork, we have listening rooms by genre. We have listening rooms about underrated staff faves. Lots of listening, lots of talking. Then this select group of people, I would say the people in this room right now, in conversation with other editors and staffers, cut that down by two-thirds. Yeah. That's when the knives come out. That's when we really take the shears to the hedge. And then the shortlist ballot goes out to the same group of people, more listening, more internal staff conversations. This is where it gets fun. (laughs) Not to say that this whole thing isn't fun, but this is where we start like really needling at the music, which is the thing that we all came here to do, right? I love picking nits. That's Uh, (laughs) one of my favorite things to do. And that's basically what happens when you're trying to decide between two really, really good things, you know? Yeah. One of my favorite things in our listening rooms is when we're like, holy shit, I didn't even listen to this song that you all loved until right now. So anyway, 
second ballots go out, they come back in, and then it's a couple of editors in the weeds looking at spreadsheets, talking to staff, and doing what we call a this or that Slack battle. Yeah, so it's basically if um, there's an artist who has a bunch of songs that everyone likes or, you know, their album is so good that there's like three or four songs that people all voted for, we will go into our listening rooms, which is like either listening IRL or over Zoom and talking back and forth on Slack and people will fight for their favorite song on the SZA album, let's say. And yeah, you know, you got to make your case. It's like a court of music criticism law. You got to win over hearts and minds here. Yeah, I mean, there have been flame wars started over Big Thief songs. I mean, people people go crazy on here. So yeah, so the conversations that we're going to have today are, are kind of mirroring what we talk about uh, when we have these this or that conversations like on Slack with the whole staff. So this is more of a kayfabe, like it's not real. <laughs> it is and it isn't real. But these are sort of like what we're thinking about as we go into like curating this list. And like another point that we should note is that like the Grammys, we have sort of a window of eligibility. So it's not January 1st, 2023 to December 31st, 2023. The eligibility for this list starts, I would say, December, what, 9th, 2022? I would say once our lists are locked and loaded, it's very rare that they change. So let's say like the 1st of December. Anything that sort of happens in December of the previous year is eligible. Yep. With that in mind, let's talk about one of my favorite albums that came out this year, Hunter Gex and their album 10,000 Gex. So many. Um, came out in March of this year, of course. So there are two songs that we want to talk about from 10,000 Gex. Pooja, what is the song that you want to talk about here? I'm coming here to ride for Hollywood Baby. Donald, do you want to tell us what song you came to talk about? Yeah, so I am repping for Frog on the Floor. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Pooja, why don't you pose your <laughs> argument first? To be clear, I love this album. I think it is just such a delight of nostalgia and pop care. Dylan Brady knows pop music in an insanely smart way, in an insanely detailed way. And you can see that craftsmanship through all of the very weird, funny references all over the album. Hollywood Baby to me is the most straight ahead of those pop songs. Mm. But it's also exactly what was playing on the radio in the early thousands yeah. to a note. Mm. Like the markings of so many iconic pop punk songs have to do with like that opening guitar riff. I was thinking about, you know, off the top of my head, Lit, My Own Worst mm. Enemy. Yep. All-American Rejects, Dirty Little Secret, mm -hmm. Newfound Glory, My Friends Over You. Blink-182, damn it. Sure. Yeah. Any song where you know it from the first five seconds and you, like, gear up to land into it, a hit. Mm. A hit. A hit. So that, that little guitar thing into the boom clap of the drums, you're, like, locked and loaded and you're like, let's fucking go. Yeah. 
the angst of what to do with your privilege and apathy through the pop punk lens in 2023, through these like kind of unusual characters and masters of pop, fucking love it. Yeah. Also, like, I'm going crazy little tiny Hollywood baby. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Say more. <laughs> I just relate to it. You just relate to <laughs> okay, it. sure. We're all just like, a tiny I, little Hollywood well, baby. you know, it's just like in this moment, there's mocking the rich people and mocking the celebrities and mocking the people who consume news via statement or deliver news via statement, as is referenced to in the song. But also recognizing you're kind of one of them, like you're sitting in your little suburban home or like your little place of privilege, too. Yeah. I love the pop punk. I love the crunch. I love the sentiment. I love it all. Did you get the payment? We had an arrangement. We don't want to watch the news. We just read Everybody loves this song in this room. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. I yeah. would say it's like our favorite. But. Well, <laughs> all right. Let's get to Frog on the Floor. Hit it. Frog on the floor, where'd he come from? Nobody knows where he'll go. He's been chilling in the basement. Um, I don't know. Um, so, frog on the floor. It's ska. It's frogs. It's floors. Uh, <laughs> what's the song about? It's so, about something. Oh, great it's a question. story song. Great question, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, so this song is about a frog who's like living in a basement and then like comes up from the basement. There's a party happening. The frog does a keg stand at one point. And the frog is also like doing frog shit. Like it's <laughs> it's it's uh, eating flies, right? Yeah, it's a party um, frog. Mm-hmm. It is a it is a party it is frog. That boy. It is and- that boy. <laughs> that meme from seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> But I do feel for the frog. Like, there's one part in the song where, you know, Laura Les is talking about how the frog is, like, jumping around eating flies. And it's like, give him some space. He's still working it out. He's still working it out. Yeah, he's still working it out. He doesn't know what people think about. (laughs) I get it. Right? And he doesn't know what people think about. He's a frog. (laughs) One last thing I'll say is that you haven't really appreciated Frog on the Floor until you've seen people moshing to it. Until you've seen people throwing up Kermit hats in a crowd (laughs) Uh while moshing to it, which I did. People just, they love this song. They love how it's really dumb and about a frog. And sometimes that's all you need. I think you just got at the heart of it. It's really dumb. (laughs) I, as much as I love being indicted for my suburban privilege, I'm much... Rather have fun with a frog on the floor. So I'm going to give that point to I'm going to give that point to Tom. Thank you. Uh, So the next thing we got here is is, um, so this is it's it's super messed up. All right. So the next thing we got here is going to come back to haunt you. I know. Uh, We have Ice Spice who released a lot of songs this year, and all of them are very good. But we're going to talk about two of them. Well, I'm talking about Boys a Liar Part 2. Look at my shit because you know what I'm on. But when he hit me, I'm not going to respond. But I don't sleep enough without you. And I can't eat enough without you. If you don't speak, does that mean we're through? Don't like sneaky shit that you do. The little ditty, you know, mm-hmm. underground, mm-hmm. underground song. Donald, what about you? I'm talking about Ice Spice's Deli. Honey, bears a Chanel, but I'm still shaking ass in a deli. Should I go first? Sure. So Ice Spice's Deli. 
All right. Any song that references New York City, delis, bodegas, corner store, whatever you want to call it, like if that's a main part of the song, I'm automatically on board pretty heavy. Like this is a place that any New Yorker knows loves, has seen something weird happen. (laughs) I guess what the song is about, you know, it's a stunting song. But the idea is that she can be really famous and wealthy now, but like still be dancing in the deli, essentially. And the beat sounds like a fire alarm. Every rap that sounds like a fire alarm, I'm basically on board. And there's some nice tension between the beat, which is like very up. It's kind of a club rap beat. And, you know, she has this laid back flow. I like that tension. She says, I love white bitches. Shout out to Lucy. She meant Lucy Dacus. No, she did not mean <laughs> Lucy Dacus at all. It's blasphemy. <laughs> She's talking about I love Lucy because of the hair. I think. And she's also, there's another great line. She says, you want the WAP, but I just want the Fetty. It's great. It's mm-hmm. just great mm-hmm. rapping. Mm-hmm. But the thing that really turned me on this song was I had a cursed taxi ride from Newark Airport into Brooklyn recently and was waiting like two hours to get into the Holland Tunnel. The taxi driver had Hot 97 on, and this is a two-hour ride, and Delhi must have played at least five times. It's not an exaggeration. Yeah, yeah. And like... I didn't get sick of it. I actually liked it more at the end of this terrible, terrible ride. I gotta say, like, I love Deli. I think it's a great song. I think so much about what you love about that song is what makes me love Boys a Liar Part 2 and and her feature on that Pink Panther song. To me, that is also a New York song. I mean, in part because I hear it. (laughs) I hear it everywhere. Okay. Like, I've been living with this song for a full year. The song came out in February. She's a New York girly, and she went very quickly because of the song from being a relative, like, if you knew about her, you knew about her, Mm -hmm. to she can't be in public because she will be mobbed. To me, Delhi is like New York hectic, you know, like it just like reflects that. And Boys of Liar is more maybe like a cartoon version of yeah, New York or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Right? Yeah. It's like, I mean, I was, I literally, I'm playing the new Mario game that just came out uh-huh. last night. And the opening music made me think about how yeah. I needed to listen to the song for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does sound like you're collecting coins throughout the city. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. The way I was describing it to someone was like kawaii. Like it's Mm -hmm. like very cute and twee and pleasant and warm and soothing while going hard. I am increasingly feeling like that might be Pink Panthers's biggest song. (sighs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. You know, Ice Spice like is still limitless as far as like where she can go. But the other stuff that Pink Panthers has done since then I'm like, uh, you might but need Ice Spice. Like, That's the case for this being a great Ice Spice song. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> is that like this is, I love her because she can be laid back in a situation no matter the situation. Right. And like this song is so hard to rap into and she is so conversational and mm-hmm. funny. When she is soothing Pink Panthers or like combating Pink Panthers' idea of not being good enough with like, 
fuck that. Like, yeah. I'm better than him. That's a conversation I hear on the bus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, that's, that's the conversation I hear on the nail salon. His girl is a bum to me. Like, that boy is a cap. Saying he home, but I know where he at. Like, but he blowing her back. Think about me because he know that it's fat. Okay, Boys a Liar Part 2 has 700 million streams on Spotify. Delhi has only 81 million streams on Spotify, so the point goes to Boys a Liar Part 2. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to have to take a quick break, come on, uh, come but on. when we come back, we will do more this or that with some more songs from our year-end list. I'm Nomi Fry, and this week on Critics at Large, we're talking about the delights and shortcomings of the new movie Challengers. It starts in Dea, at the center of a tennis triangle and a very steamy love triangle. Who are her loyalties to? Will she be tempted by the other one? How do these guys reckon their professional playing ambition with their romantic and sexual feelings about this mysterious woman? And such we have it. We have a conflict between three people and a game meant for two. Is it a sports movie or a sex movie? Find out on Critics at Large from The New Yorker. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. So we're back, and we're going to do more of this or that. And up next is one of my favorite albums of the year, Billy Woods. Released an album called Maps earlier this year. Ton of great songs on there. Domble, what's your pick from Maps? My pick is Year Zero, featuring Danny Brown. Kids, you and your friends gonna have to start again. It's nothing you can do with us, but fuck, we're fucked up. Poison everything we touch, with it and die. Burn it down, dust inside, burn it to the ground, make sure we don't survive. I'm doing soft landing. Group going in prison, my own warden, celly and superintendent. Flaunt, flagrant disassociation, dissonant cadence, free political dissidents from their cages. Believe the whole me, album was produced by Kenny Siegel. It's kind of a loose concept album, right? It's kind of about like life on the road and what happens between the shows and like what goes on inside Billy Woods' mind. It's kind of like attention deficit raps, right? Where like he jumps from one thing to another, kind of making loose connections between things. But he's always trying to get back to the main point, which is that like being on the road sucks. I miss my girlfriend. I miss my cat. Like, <laughs> that's kind of like how he roots different songs, like in that idea. Yeah. What I love about Soft Landing is that that is sort of, I think, the album in miniature. You can sort of tell that he wrote this on a plane mm-hmm. and is just sort of staring out at the clouds, kind of looking at things. This track especially is like very dense with references to sort of like older rap that he likes. There's like a really fun line about a Biggie song. There's a cool mob deep little like interplay. It could be nuclear winter with an earthquake. The worst people who wriggle out the rubble. Maybe suicidal thoughts was the everyday struggle. For a brief sweet moment, it was nothing in the thought bubble. But then it ends with this idea of just like him sort of missing his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's very sweet. And the hook is like an interpolation of feeling good. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. In, in an album that can get kind of dark, like it's a nice sweet moment on, mm-hmm. the, on that album I really like. Yeah, it's interesting. I just don't think of this album as sweet at all. But, I, you know, you're right. This is kind of a sweeter moment. Year Zero, there's nothing sweet about it. As you may guess from the title, like this is an apocalypse song. It is a song where Billy Woods is basically throwing his hands up at the 
hellscape of the world and just kind of letting all of his darkest thoughts in and like rapping about it in brutal like way, but also like very smart. And honestly, the, it's really reflective of the way that I feel <laughs> a lot yeah. of the time, like watching the news or reading the newspaper to give you an idea of the bleakness that's happening. There's a line like about sooner or later, there's going to be two unrelated active shooters, same place, same time. Sooner or later, it's going to be two unrelated active shooters, same place, same time, great minds, Tesla and Edison, selling pussy across state lines, they veterans, hangman, one look, all it takes to take their measurements, my taxes pay police brutality settlements. So and you have, like, to, you have to like sit with it also. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like this is the darkest idea I've heard in rap or any music this year. And it, the part that makes it so like trenchant is is that it's so not that far from like what could actually happen you know yeah. it's not it's not yeah. a fantasy like I gotta say it's like quite telling to me that two dads of cats who miss their girlfriends when they're away found the darkest song and the most hopeful song on the album appealing and I gotta say I'm with Ryan on this one yeah we haven't even talked about Danny Brown's part in Year Zero. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll try to get to that quick. Like, you know, so Billy Woods is this kind of doomsayer on the song, and then Danny Brown is, I guess, like the kind of chaos agent mm-hmm. um, part of the of the apocalypse. You know, Billy Woods is in his bunker with all the thoughts raining down, and Danny Brown is just like wiling out somewhere in a field. Um, and his verse is very funny. It's a little bit of like oil and water, but it's an incredible verse that gives the song some much needed levity yeah. <laughs> as well. It's not just a super depressing thing. So yeah, I think they work really well off of each other. Sell them dry food like 20 piece nuggets. Broke like the ice cream machine. You niggas rubbish. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, okay, up next we've got an album that I find surprising that we're talking about, which is the Zach Bryan album. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Like Zach Bryan is kind of one of the bigger breakout stars of the past couple of years. He's a singer songwriter from Oklahoma. He's got a rootsy country ish rock folk, you know, like he's classic outlaw country, the progression of that sort of idea. And he's just really blown up. And he put out a self-titled album this year that was kind of his big major label, like, breakout moment. And my song from that album is a song called Jake's Piano, Long Island. Who's your father got sick on Long Island? I've been trying like hell to call. My mind ain't well, and I just can't tell you why. Is there a punctuation in the title? It's so uh, it's two separate songs. Mm-hmm. This is going to be my Billy Joel. <laughs> Jeremy thing. chose two songs. <laughs> now look, so Billy Joel, Prelude, Angry Young Man. You know that song. As a man from Long Island, uh-huh. Ryan Domble, sure, sure. you know. Yeah. Um, Billy Joel has has several songs that have that are multi part uh-huh. songs. So this song and there's a piano and there's a piano. And boy, does this song take place on Long Island? You don't Island. need to appeal to Ryan. <laughs> you need to appeal to me. I'm the judge oh, here. You. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's. It's like a shot of Bruce, like a jigger of Billy Joel. There's some backstreets in it. If you don't also know, like the one thing about Zach Bryan is that he he like lost his mother. Uh, a lot of his songs are about the grief that goes into that and like living with this grief. And this song is very much about the grief. But I think one of my favorite moments in this song is that he says like I quit smoking cigarettes. But the cover of the album is a picture of him smoking a cigarette. Right, right, right. I finally quit smoking cigarettes and I don't go downtown. 
Drinking till it's gone. That's just a fun little moment on this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little Easter egg, mm-hmm. but I, this is a nice little storytelling song mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. album. Ryan, what's your pick? My pick is called Hey Driver. It's a collaboration with this duo called The War and Treaty, who are a husband and wife, kind of a blues soul duo. And this song is kind of a folk country song. It's pretty bare bones. It's really about the vocal performances. The lyrics are good as well, but the vocal performances are what you show up to this song for. The hook is sung by Michael Trotter of The War and Treaty, and it's just one of the best sung moments like in music I've heard this year. So take me down the road that's a little bit windy To a place they still put sugar in their eyes It's just like super impassioned. You know, he does kind of the American Idol thing. Like, he takes it to places that Zach Bryant could never take it to. Mm. It's a real spotlight moment. It really is. The thing that really grabbed me, I think it's the first line of the song where, where he sings, take me to a road that's a little bit windy to a place where they still put sugar in their iced tea. And like bars, it's just like (laughs) I'm there, like I'm immediately Mm -hmm. there. It just puts you exactly where he's talking about this kind of, you know, down home. Like the song is about the promise of home, maybe the false promise of home. But Mm -hmm. like this place that you always can go back to, even if you're missing your sister's call on the road, even if your Clonovan hasn't kicked in yet. Like these are all things that he talks about, like in the song. Hey, driver, I've been feeling like there's no point at all The clonopin ain't kicked in And I missed my sister's call This is gorgeous. We're probably going to do a Grammys episode later, but as the Grammys are thinking about, like, who they're going to get to play, yo, get <laughs> Zach Bryan and the Warren Treaty to do this song. Yeah. It will be the thing that yeah. everyone talks about the day after. It's just very good. The thing that I kind of don't like about the song sure. is that it, it becomes like men listening to each other sing. Mm-hmm. And I find that a little unbecoming. What? Um, what? Men for... can't listen to each other sing? Yeah, you've heard me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Your song it's, it's is called so... Jake's Piano. <laughs> It's a little too like, hey, I found this guy on YouTube and he's got a great voice. It gives me that a little bit of ick to it. Uh-huh. Um, but I do agree that the songwriting is so pretty easy good. to give you the ick. I don't think so. Point Domble. Next. Uh, <laughs> on to God. the next. I should, have, I should have just agreed with you. Um, um, okay. So the next thing that we want to talk about is Silly Rapper. <laughs> oh, it's Silly oh, Season. Silly Season. It's always Silly uh, Season. Tisa in Korean. Here. We love this album. Yeah. Also, Tisa Korean playing with Gex at the Knockdown Center on December 14th. That's a little low ticket warning. What do you know? Low ticket warning. At the Pitchfork party. But in any case, lots of really, really fun and completely insane songs on this album. So, Dama, what do you got? So, the album is called Let Me Update My Status, which I also think is kind of funny. The one that I picked is called Uh Huh. And the capitalization is all over the place. It's actually called uh-huh.mp3, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which is amazing. Like, I love that. What I got to do to get you to stop playing? For the weather, man, I don't make it rain. What I got to do to get you to stop playing? Basically, the song is a really good Neptunes 
Neptune's beat. It's not the Neptunes. I think it's self-produced, but it sounds a lot like the Neptunes. Mm -hmm. It's like he found the weirdest keyboard setting and decides to just make an entire beat out of that keyboard setting. It sounds like a space laser. It sounds like a vacuum, like kind of like struggling to start up. It sounds to me like a cartoon version of the speaker Mm -hmm. blowing out. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But what you need to know is the video features a man hitting a kitchen pot in front of a private plane. And that's it. That's all you need to know. Like, it's just, this is pure fun. When you listen to it, you can't not be like in a better mood afterwards. So my song is called Middle Fingers Up, which is sort of a nine minute ballad. <laughs> uh, you know, it's sort of a class conscious, but but also sort of a romance story. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just kidding. It is the exact same concept <laughs> as Uh-huh with a different kind of Neptune's beat. <laughs> What's great about this album is that it is like a neural net version of ringtone era rap and Neptunes rap. Yeah. I think like he's still absorbing his influences, but his influences are awesome. And I really enjoy Soldier Boy and Trick Daddy and the Neptunes. Right. It's like, I'm not sure if you've ever heard Trick Daddy, but like this song sounds like you have. Every single time I listen to Uh Uh-huh, I'm like, this is Mr. Me Too. Like, it almost hits exactly the Mr. Me Too. I was going to say, I'm like, the the Uh Uh-huh is a little too Mr. Me Too uh for me. G2 or the G3 or G4 like we do. But like a middle fingers up is a little bit more of like a bounce song. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a little more of a party starter. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I think he does best. And I think until he sort of finds his own lane with production, I'm just going to go with like the loudest, brashest, most like fuck your shit up song. I got to say, I hate to do this to you, Jeremy. It's going to Ryan. Okay, well, great. Because uh, that makes me 0 for 4. <laughs> I always had better arguments for the stuff that we didn't get to, so so it's fine though. It's fine though. Okay, sure, sure you did. <laughs> Me too. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, the New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, really quickly before we go, let's talk about some of the songs that, like, we're just writing for ourselves that aren't necessarily big songs in the world right now and or even, like, the Pitchfork staff canon, but that we are super into Who wants to go first? Should I go first? Yes, I think you should. All right. So I want to talk about this song from High Tech called New Money. This is a trio of rappers and producers, uh, King Milo, Milf Melly, and 47 Chops. And the song is from their album Detroit. Detroit? Detroit? (laughs) Detroit? Detroit? Great. I think so. Yeah. Love that. Um, well, oh, because it's Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Detroit. Mm-hmm. Detroit. Yeah. Which was released on Omar S's label. This 
entire album rules, and this song is of the ghetto tech canon, which, if you're not familiar, it's like this mix of Miami bass, of Chicago house influences, of Detroit techno influences, and like the key element is that it's extremely fast. The song is sinister as hell, and it's kind of underlined with this person who is panting, and you're not sure if they're panting from, like, running and fear. Totally. Or if they're panting from, like, extreme eroticism. (laughs) (laughs) It's not exactly clear, and... The best part of the song to me is that I literally felt my heart rate accelerate as I was listening to it, like out of anxiety, but also enthrallment. And when a song can make me literally physically change in my body, I'm just like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Let's go. I feel like kids should rediscover Ghetto Tech because it's so good. It's coming. It's coming back. It's behind the Jersey Club. Oh, for sure. Like this happens all the time. As soon as the music gets really fast, it starts getting... Faster and faster and faster, and then it dies and it becomes slow. (laughs) Okay, Jeremy, what's your pick? Okay, so I've been a really big fan of like 20-minute songs, which are always a hard sell to get onto the list because like, are they a song? Is it an album? What are we doing here? One of my favorite songs of the year is by a composer and saxophonist, Cole Poliche, and it's a song they released on long-form editions, which is a label that lets artists basically go long on a single song or a single idea. And this is an almost a 20-minute song that I really love, and it's called If I Don't See You in the Future, I'll See You in the Pasture. It is basically a two-part song. It starts with the synths. Halfway through, saxophone comes in. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It is a journey, and I highly recommend you take it. Yeah, it's amazing. Great pick. My choice for underdog pick is, so this is like a fighting episode of the podcast, so I chose a fighting song. Um, (laughs) I chose Peace and Harmony. Interesting. We're learning a lot here. <laughs> yeah, uh, we really are. Two Pisces. So Hit Kid is a producer from Memphis, and he produced a song. It's called You the Type, and the real stars are the rappers. It's kind of a crew track. You be claiming you won't bother. Make accounts just alert. Claiming that your drip is real and got that print rest on the shirt. I'm the type of bitch that pop out cute when I get real. The rappers are Gloss Up, Sly Maroney, K Carbon, and A-L-E-Z-A. And yeah, these women are just sick of shit and they're going to take you down. It doesn't matter if you're another woman, some bum dude. They're calling you out and you don't want to face them. He pulled his little heart out in my text. I never read. See, I just like to break them. I don't care about what hey, he takes. You the type of bitch that plays side bitch to your baby daddy. How? I'm the type to be my BD for doing all that cap. If the song were being aimed at me personally... I would choose to live indoors for the rest of my life. (laughs) In a basement, preferably. I'd never see the light of day. They're just talking about people, like, who don't buy bottles at the club. Like, you're done. Like, why are you even here? You know, they're talking about people who, like, pretend to be mean, but are actually really nice deep down. And it's like, just be nice. Like, why are you being mean? Like, why are you putting on this front? Like, they're just pissed off at the world. 
and all these phonies out there. Sounds like you relate. Yeah, I really do. I really uh-huh. do relate. Um, so yeah, like next time you're in the fighting mood, this is it. You the type. Or you can just be in a chill mood. <laughs> uh-huh. Just let the universe and its secrets come to you uh-huh. in a moment of meditation. You're cosplaying as a chill person right now. <laughs> I, it's, it's called goals, all right? Yeah, 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 all, yeah. It's all something yeah, we're working yeah. towards. Well, thank you so much. This was really fun. So much fun. This is basically what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Excited to do this for two more hours with you at the end of today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. Ryan, Pooja, it's been great. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Jeremy. The Pitchfork Review is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. Mark Yoshizumi, Elia Einhorn, Katie Lau, and Madeline Campbell at 3DB are our producers. Ryan Domble is our showrunner, and Jessica Gramulia is our music supervisor. Tune in next week for our year-end genre matchups throwdown. Thanks for listening. Ever wanted to go inside the Met Gala? I'm Cho Minardi, and this week on The Run Through Vogue, we take you inside the world's most exclusive and glamorous party. We'll talk about the best looks from the red carpet and everything that happened after. Listen to The Run Through Vogue wherever you get your podcasts.